Uh, what's going on, everybody? My name is Arjun Gupta. I play Penny on Sci-Fi's and the Magicians. And welcome to the Coffee Clatch Podcast. Get ready for a wild ride. The Coffee Clatch Podcast. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew, the Magicians interview. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we get the privilege to interview Arjun Gupta for a second time. And we really, really had a great time. Thank you so much to Arjun, who stayed up till 2 a.m. in India to talk to us. 2 a.m. his time. The time just seemed to fly by as it always does when we speak with him. But we're sorry for keeping you up so late. In this podcast, you'll see his personality. He is really a genuine, real person. He's very giving with his time and his advice. We edited a lot of this. It was a two and a half hour podcast. (laughs) And a lot of it was personal, just him to us. But we wanted to keep in the first bits about weddings because, Clatchers, you know, I just proposed to Christina recently and with Arjun just getting married and he had a lot of great advice to give us. So we kept in key moments of that that I think other people could benefit. So that portion of the content covers about the first 15 minutes. And then around that timestamp, we actually start talking about content related to The Magicians, where he answered a lot of our questions about Penny this season, the two different pennies, the magic behind the filming and what it takes to actually make this show, character relationships, and so much more. And he even tells us who's on the other side of the door. Oh, we wish. No, I asked him. He would not tell us. (laughs) So we hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed making this interview. Enjoy the show. First of all, congratulations to the two of you. Thank I'm so you. Happy you guys. <laughs> to you as well, man. Yeah, thank you. So how was the wedding? Oh, my God. It was just, um, you know, it was a gargantuan task for sure to put it all together. And it, it took a lot of, um, you know, you're bridging two families, two people, even though like my wife and I, Varsha, Varsha is my wife, even though her and I have like a lot of similarities and our families have a lot of the core values that are the same, we're still different and we come from different backgrounds. And also my parents have been in the States for the last 41 years and have as many weddings as they've attended, they haven't thrown weddings in India. So there was just like a lot of things to like navigate and I was working and my nanny like was had a stroke and was in a oh. had a very slow process of you know in a long illness and then you know when she finally passed it was you know it just was a lot going on at all, all at the same time um, so it was definitely stressful at times for sure like I like wedding planners I think can only do it when they're like not involved in it but being in it and trying to plan it is like such a intense thing but it's so worth it. You know, I'm actually really like all the sweat, all the like stress, all the fights and all the stuff that went into it um, and all the fun, because there was also so much time that were fun. We're so worth it. Those few days when it finally came together and, you know, it, it was what we wanted. It was the cozy, intimate, like really silly moment that we were looking for mm-hmm. and that we wanted to create. And um yeah, it was perfect, you know. I saw, um, I think it was the first dance you posted that. Oh, it wasn't actually our first dance, but like during the, in an Indian wedding, there's a there's a ceremony called the Sangeet, which is actually morphed from what it originally was. It originally was just a night for the ladies. It was called the Ladies Sangeet, and the ladies would actually all just sit around. It was a very organic night where they would sit around and they would sing, and actually really, really, really old days that was where the elder ladies would teach the woman what she was supposed to do because women would get married very young and so no they didn't know like 
I mean, let's be very honest. It was talking about like, what do you do the first night? Like, what is sex? Like, what do you like? Just prepping the woman as she was about to embark on this thing, and it would always involve singing, and they do it through a lot of folk songs and that sort of stuff. So it has morphed now into a, a sort of a, a performance. Sp- Base where like people perform for the bride and the groom as a way of like expressing their love. So we kind of merged it where actually my, she's actually technically my aunt, but she's my age and she's this incredible folk singer. She actually, for the first hour, was just singing folk songs from the state that my mother's side of the family comes from, Uttar Pradesh. And then afterwards, much to the chagrin of my close friends in Bombay, our close friends in Bombay, I put them on the task of being like, look, I want this to be a story. I want this to not just be dance. I want this to also be like, have some skits and have some acting, like stuff that was like really resonates for me. And so um, because we have so many friends that, you know, fortunately the, the most of my friends are performers and in this industry and that sort of world, it became this really epic night. And Varsha and I threw in a surprise of our own, which was this sort of contemporary dance take to John Legend's All of Me hmm. that we posted. So that wasn't our first dance. Our first dance was the next night as a cuz we weren't technically married yet. Oh, okay. Even though we've <laughs> legally been married since May of last year. So, <laughs> so there's a lot going on. <laughs> what about you guys? So you guys have been engaged now for a little while, a few months now. A couple yeah. weeks, um, a month? A, a month now. Wow. A month. A yeah. month. Right. It feels like it's flying. Background. We've been together for 10 years. No, this I know. A long time. <laughs> 10 years. And I know that, that <laughs> Jason here was really dragging his feet. It's <laughs> not really, he was, we had a, we had a couple of chats actually. That's right. Yeah. That whole process. Clatcher started leaving voicemails getting on him. And I feel like <laughs> then it was the entire world putting pressure on him but in a cute way and yeah because i couldn't hear it until we were recording so we were going through uh the clatcher voicemails and right. then christina don't let jason read this and just play it on a cast at some point hey jason when are you gonna propose and marry christina thanks have a great day bye I was like, I don't uh, I really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was nothing to say at I that point. It. But he proposed while we were recording a podcast. And it was nice. It was Patreon only. So we do this free flowing uh-huh. thing. I, you'd think after 10 years I would have seen it coming, but I absolutely did not. Wow. And then we had it recorded, which was amazing because, you know, 10 yeah. minutes after I couldn't remember anything that right. we'd said. We were debating, do we release it, do we not? But then friends and family were saying, well, we want to hear that. We want to hear what Jason said. So we did it. We put it up and we got so much support. It was actually incredible. The messages people were leaving and the responses. It was great. I think it's really important right now to share this, those moments. I think now more than ever, because I think there's so much focus on what we're scared of. So much focus on the things that are dividing us, the ways in which we are shitty to each other. And there are many as humans, like we are shitty to each other so often, but we're also so good to each other so often. It's nice to be reminded of that and be able to see that. Um, so I think it's really generous of you guys to share that. It was a little scary, but it was awesome afterwards. Of course. I mean, how vulnerable. I mean, like, what a vulnerable thing, you know, to put out to. And it's different if you like, 
shared it as a, an email attachment to your friends and family. That's like you put it out for your bigger community, which again, still is like, and what a gift to them. What a gift to the audience. Like really, that's really beautiful. The response we got was one. crazy. I want the link of that. Sure. Yeah. Please. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. what's funny, re-listening to it, I thought I was so smooth, right? And then I listened oh, no. to it, I'm like, oh, geez, I was not smooth. You <laughs> were. In my head, I was like... Worse, you know, I've talked about this with my wife, because I also, because I never, when I proposed, I just did, the words stopped. Words stopped coming out of my mouth. I, like, couldn't. I was so nervous. My heart was pounding. She was standing right next to me, and I was trying to... And I didn't plan it. I didn't have a speech written because I, I just wanted it to be organic. And it was kind of, I, for Varsha, the fact that I couldn't speak was communication enough, oh, in sure. a way, was a special sort of moment that, like, this is bigger than words right now. Mm -hmm. But I thought I w I mean, of course I wasn't smooth, but I'm glad I wasn't smooth <laughs> because this isn't the movies, yeah. you know what I mean? As my therapist often tells me, like, life is not the movies, which I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sometimes that sucks, but I'm actually glad it's not, you know? Yeah, you couldn't be like, line? Yeah. Will or you? Like, well, the truth is because life is messy, right? I mean, yeah. life is messy. Things are rarely clean. There's never, there's never like a bow given to us at the end of the world and i mean like what's cool like not to transition to the show but like what's cool about tv and like art these days is there's such an emphasis on like trying to get closer to that yeah. and closer to what is our real life experience like these days like what is it actually you know yeah. i'm really happy for you guys though that's really yeah, thanks, thank man. you Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, have you guys started planning? Have you guys, or well, are you guys taking a minute? We're, we were waiting to talk to you because you're going to plan it for us, right? That's, uh, yeah, this was the whole sure. reason why. He we... never wants to hear a thing about planning. I, I got to be honest, mine would be, I don't, I, I've never planned a, like a Western wedding, but I could definitely help out. I could definitely <laughs> give you all the ideas and tell you. But I'll tell you what the biggest thing I learned is, though, I will share this. Really, really pay attention to what you want plan out a vision what do you want this day to feel like what do you want the day to like do you want it to be a big crazy affair or actually do you want it to be something cozy and intimate that actually is the fundamental question because that will inform every choice you make you know we had a wedding that had 320 guests that stayed at, with us for two days but we found a property because this is how we do things in india we found a property that felt cozy um, where we had the whole space, so it felt like camp for two days. Oh, yeah. So everyone you knew, everywhere you, everywhere you walked, everyone you knew during the two days, everyone you passed was a part of the same event. And that helped to really make it feel like a cozy affair. Um, just, I mean, I could bore you guys with like all the like little detail choices that we made that, that supported that. But again, it's just, it's really like, what do you want it to be? You yeah. know? And really like, Take some time to think about, because it's your day. I mean, it's definitely a union of your families, which is something that my wife and I really believe in. And so it's like super important to hear what they want as well and integrate that into your vision. But starting with what do you two want? Like, what are you trying to say with this day for yourselves and for your community? Mm -hmm. And let that be the starting point. Yeah. 
<clears throat> I gotta figure well, out what I want. Your compass rather than your starting point. Your starting point and then your compass of like, okay, is this is this choice taking us further away or is it bringing us here? You yeah. know, because all weddings are gonna look different and they're all beautiful. Oh, and one more thing. I went to a really, really, really tacky wedding, but it was still so perfect because love existing like that and those moments of pure joy, openness and connection, it doesn't matter what surrounds it. It doesn't matter what the food looks like. It doesn't matter what the flowers, I mean, it doesn't matter what the food tastes like. It doesn't matter what the flowers look like. It doesn't matter what the decor is. And none of that matters because it's such a beautiful moment to be a part of. So try not to, this is something I'm reflecting outwards because I did it a lot. It's, it's not about perfection. It's about connection. Again, something my therapist told me. Shouts to you, Libby. Um, it's like, it's not about throwing the perfect wedding because it's going to be perfect. Mm. It's just something that might might help you when things get stressful. I yeah, like that. he's, he's going to have to remind me of that. I tend to be a type A with planning stuff. So, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I definitely, when it comes to like, you know, the experience of guests and like something that I'm involved in, I'm like, you know, either it's great or we're not doing it. What's the point? But finding a way to find ease within it, because also at the end of the day, you're going to be the bride. You know what I mean? Like this is a day that's supposed to be really, really special for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then a third thing. Now you guys fucking got me started. (laughs) Now I can't stop. The week or so before, just shut down planning. Hand it off. Yeah. To whoever you can. Like whoever you can. Right? As much as possible. You won't be able to completely... But as much as possible so that you can like, uh, and I'm saying like a full week before the wedding so that you can rest your body and refuel so that those that day, however long in the center, whatever, if it's four hours, if it's a two day thing, a six day, whatever the case may be during the course of that, the force of this event, you can fully be present and enjoy. Yeah, that's that's something that I would like 100 percent do for yourselves. That makes a lot of sense. Because otherwise it just will consume you. It will consume you and it will like. And you will get so, and I remember I like, it happened to me, it happened to me. I like called up Varsh like one night while I was in Bombay and she was in Gohati and this was like a few weeks before the wedding. I was like, I've like, it was actually during a dance class. I was like, I had forgotten, I gotten so caught up in like what our budget was, what this choice was, what is our photographer doing? Why is this bullshit happening from this person? Why is this thing happening from this person? What is going on? That I had lost sight of that this, the day was this whole day is that I get to tell you that I love you mm. in front of my whole community and commit myself to you. I don't want to lose sight of that. And that was the moment for me that I was like, goodbye. Like <laughs> I'm stepping back so that I don't lose sight of that. All the things I was worrying about you're bringing up, you know? Yeah. And they're going to happen. Like all this stuff is going to happen. And, and, and it's all part of the journey, you know? I mean, I'm telling you at the end of the day, it's going to be fucking at, on all of it's going to be worth it. Just, Going in prepped. I mean, we know. We know what we're dealing with here. I come from a huge Italian family, but we don't want a huge wedding. So we already know what the obstacles are going to be and just mentally preparing that, like you said, it's got to be kind of first what we want. Another congrats, by the way, for getting greenlit for another season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Before this even started, right? I know. That's crazy. I was a little surprised, but I'm thrilled. I mean, we get to come back and tell more of the story, which will be really exciting. The way the season ends, it's going to be really fun. It's going to just be like so crazy. It's hard to say because there's so much that happens in that last in the season finale. I mean, it's just 
I'm curious if people will see it coming. I'm curious if people will see what happens coming. And it's going to be really impactful. And I think season five is going to... Well, I just say good luck to the writers because I don't know where they're going to go <laughs> and what they're going to do. And I guess... I mean, they just, apparently, I just saw um, Sarah posted on Instagram and Chris Fisher posted and a couple other writers have that like the room has started. So um, I guess, I guess we'll find out soon. Yeah. Last week. That's crazy to think about yeah. that. They're already going on next season. Damn. Well, it's March 20 something. I mean, you know, it's time, you know, this thing, they're really good. Like, you know, I've been in writers rooms where you get the episode like two days before. Um, we're really fortunate on the show that we get the right. We've, we usually start the season off with like four or five episodes that are already like drafted that we can, you know, the first two will definitely be locked, maybe even three. And the other two will be in like almost final stages. And so it helps us as actors be able to craft a little bit like, okay, where's this journey going? Let's make sure if something's happening in the fifth episode, I can start planting some seeds early on. Like it just, it's just always beneficial. So we're really fortunate. So I'm, you know, that's another reason that they really try to get in as early as possible. That's actually something we were going to ask you if you had that information ahead of time, which it sounds like you did, that you were going to be playing two different pennies and had the time to think about oh. what that was going to be like. Um, did yeah, they give you direction no. on it? Um, so actually that I didn't really know about until a few weeks before because that was a six episode and I think we had like four and four or five in the K four I think when we started the season I think someone had probably mentioned something to me it wasn't something that I needed to prep a ton for to be honest you know what I mean we got the script um you know a week and a half before like we do and I you know I worked with my coach on it and and did my normal prep work uh yeah it was trippy to shoot you know it was definitely trippy to shoot but I had worked JB Conway was the director of that and Jamie and I have such a good rapport I mean I love that man very dearly and I feel very fortunate that I've had the honor to work with him so often on the show and so we rehearsed a few days before we shot. It's actually crazy. We shot that whole scene in only four hours, which is oh, nuts. I mean, wow. I had to, I mean, I was changing back and forth. Like, you know, we would do one, we would do the master shot, I think only to a certain point. Then I would have to go run and change. And then we'd do another setup in that same as 2023 and then run back and change to Penny 40, come back and go back <laughs> and do that same scene. <laughs> from that point to that point. And um, it, it was like a, a real, it was incredible. It was so fun. It was so trippy. I'm just flashing on this one random part about the day that was really funny to me. It was like a completely white room, like completely white room. So no one was allowed to walk in the room without these um, booties. I think that's what we call them. Like, like wrapping around their shoes. I just remember like the crazy things we had to like deal with. Hair and makeup people were running with me because like I had to change. Because Penny 23 has more of a beard and Penny 40 has less of a beard. So I shaved for Penny 40, but that they had to fill in Penny 23 a little bit. Mm. And Penny 40 and Penny 23 have different slightly. Yeah. But no, hair's slightly. forward, hair's back. The hairstyles, yeah, hairstyles are quite different. And so, uh, you know, obviously one's wearing a suit, the other person not. So it's just like, you know, it was a it was a trip, but it was so fun. It was so much fun and it was such a challenge. Because you have to hold these two very different characters and what they're both going through and, and also remember them and, and jump back and forth. Was there a but cue I, that you put in your mind, you know, when you're about to be 23 or 40? Is there something that kind of gets you oh, into that? 
No, that's a great question. Um, it was more about the relationship. It was more about the scene. You know what I mean? So I, I was kind of the way I'd crafted that scene was there felt like there was a really like big brother, little brother sort of, especially at the start, um, a, a vibe there. And, and just kind of, um, you know, I think, I, I think because it's fourth season, I, I, I've dropped in enough where I didn't have to think of like specific word cues to like help me. And it was more of just like, okay, where am I in this moment? Like, okay, this is the part where he's pissing me off. And I need to like, he's like, from Penny 40 standpoint, like, this is the part where he's pissing, like, Penny 23. He's like, I'm like, you're a fucking kid. You're worried about that. I'm telling you this big shit. Like, like, come on, man up here. Like, get it together. I need you here. Sounds like something I'd say to make myself feel like less of an ass. Bigger things that play than your guilt, buddy. Gotta go back. Sorry. That's as specific as I can be. So just like that kind of stuff would be where I would help myself. But I... No, I think I just like I know Penny Forty really well now, so it was really yeah. easy to drop in. Penny Twenty Three was actually a little bit more challenging because I'm still like dropping into him in the same way that I had with Penny Forty. So, um, and this was like a completely different sort of space for Penny Twenty Three because he's much more on like the he's the one that's like much more on his toes. Like, what's going on? <clears throat> what the fuck am I doing? Like, what is happening? Um, Penny Forty is more in control. Uh, now, so, so I just kind of yeah. let myself actually be in that way where I didn't really know and just kind of let it be until that moment where like, hold it, what the fuck, man? Like, <laughs> like this is you being a fucking asshole. Um, it was a really well, really, really well written scene by Christina Strain. It was like so much fun and um, yeah, I had a blast. So I, I have uh, that enough. I have uh, two questions off of that. Yeah. So going back to that first scene, we finally get to see Penny Forty. Did you have yeah. any idea how excited everybody would be for when you walk through that door? Everyone's like, "It's Penny!" They're at That's home in Penny. front of their That's TVs cheering. <laughs> Penny Forty. Hi. I can't begin to imagine how you fucked yourself hard enough to get here, but let's take advantage. You know, I didn't, like, I, no, I had no idea. Long and short of it, no, I had no idea. I mean, and actually, you know, this, this season I felt pretty disconnected from everyone watching because I've been in India, in India the entire time. And I actually, I think I will be in India throughout the entirety of this this whole season. It's interesting, man. I think that people have grown more in love with Penny Forty as time has gone on. I don't think that there was, I don't remember as much of a response for Penny Forty when Penny Forty was on the show. Um, you were MVM, but, don't forget. So that I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, except from us. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's, uh, yeah, well, that's interesting. No, I mean, like, it's, I, I've actually been more interested that like people are having such an interesting response to Penny 23. I guess it's um, that, that's what's been really, really fascinating to me and seeing that kind of develop. But no, I had no idea. But I knew that people would have fun with the two pennies together because it is just two fun, really fun characters to put together in a moment. He walks through the door and we always say... I don't know if you'll agree with this. I always felt like Penny 40 was always a little more suave than Penny 23 as far as personality-wise, the way he speaks. He's a little more flirty with his speech. Um, his cadence. There's yeah. a different cadence Tw there. 23 is a little more reserved yeah. at times. Yeah. So you walk yeah, in yeah, and yeah. you control that scene. It's evident that this Penny has gone through a lot that we haven't seen yet. He seems very comfortable now as opposed to yeah. where, where he was last season. And has a grasp of life that we yet don't have. And our Penny, or our newest Penny, 23, doesn't have. I really valued that scene. Yeah, it feels like Penny 40 
knows some shit and that's really changed his outlook on a yeah. lot of stuff no i feel really like look i mean when when they took penny away when they put penny 40 to the underworld and we're like look we're gonna put him there and then penny 23 is gonna come in you know i talked to them i was like i hope we're not letting that story die and they're like no 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 not at all and david reed actually was really explained it to me he was like look i mean one that was like we signed a, you signed a billion year contract like we, <laughs> if we don't honor that we're just kind of like not honoring the rules of the universe. We're making them feel, the stakes are lower for our audience. They'll be like, well, things that happen don't matter. Mm. So we want to honor it. But then we also can just like let a big aspect of growth happen and then come back and see it. And then come back and like see it. And so that was cool that we saw it in six. And then in seven, we got to see just how much growth has happened for Penny Ford, which was really fun. I'm really glad that you're picking up on the differences because like some people are like, if they are like, I've wanted them to be really different and I wanted it to be the Penny 23. And it's also in the writing. I mean, this is where it came from for me, but the, the Penny 23 has seen some shit. Penny 23 saw some shit, had some trauma that made him think this energy of me running out into the front of the room and like taking over center stage, attention isn't always good. And there's a little bit more of like, that's why if you notice, he hangs back like he's never, never in the room charging in physically. He may take over the room eventually energetically, but he's never going to be the one like running into the room first to be like, he's always going to be like, why? Okay, what's going on? Like, okay, where am I? And I wanted him to be more muted. I wanted him to be like, why is have experienced something in life and have be wiser in some ways than Penny 40. Now Penny 40 is wiser in different ways, but Penny 23 is wiser than, if you'd put 2023 and Penny 40 uh, before Penny 40 left for the underworld, you know, Penny 23 would look at Penny 40 and be like, bro, you need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> bro, you don't know shit. You know what I mean? That dynamic would be very different. That would be Penny 23 being the big brother for sure. He's gone through more. He's lost more. He's he's lost more. I mean, he witnessed, you know, and that's the story that we, we saw. So I wanted that. And that's why, like, you know, much to the chagrin of the audience, which I'm flattered by that everyone wants to see my chest. But the, <laughs> the reason that Penny 23 has, he is more monochromatic. He's more covered up because he's not trying to, he's not trying to peacock all the time like Penny 40 is. You know? It also seems like it's made him, I can't find the right word for it. I don't want to say distrustful is not the right word. Cautious of the group. I mean, he's made comments throughout the season, Margo. one time saying Margo's going to blow this whole thing up eventually or she's going to mess it up, something to that effect. And then a couple episodes ago, he said to Q, I come from a timeline where you guys didn't just figure it out. The group didn't just mm -hmm. make it work. Yeah. Whereas the rest of the group is constantly charging into these things. We're going to solve it. Right. This is what we're going to do. He's, he's kind right. of hanging back saying, I don't know <laughs> if that's going to happen. Uh, these kids, these kids, I say, I mean, these characters and, and the magicians, they, they, they have such irrational confidence that really isn't really founded in real world experience. Um, they haven't really been that successful in doing anything properly. And if they took a step back, they would they would probably be like, what were we successful in ever? We got magic back. But what cost? We did this. We did this. We just keep, they keep creating more and more problems. Uh, and at some point you would think they would wise up and be like, OK, maybe we need to step, take a step back. Of course, they're constantly in life or death situations that don't allow them the time to process that, right? So they're kind of just in this perpetual movement. 
the, here's Penny 23 coming in from an, as an outsider, and I think he does. And, and I think that's kind of the story for the first half of the season and why that, that, that scene with Penny 40 is so impactful for him is because, you know, he doesn't feel like he fits in. You know what I mean? Those two things that you're talking about, he doesn't trust the group. Why would he trust the group? He doesn't know these guys. They're not actually his people. They don't. He doesn't know them. I mean, he got thrown in there, and then immediately they went into some sort of crisis mode, like trying to stop, get magic back, and all they did was end up getting, like, potioned and put into other bodies. He got put into a DJ, and then he comes back, and he's stuck with them because they're fugitives, so he's kind of stuck with them, but he doesn't really know how to do that and that's why he's in the fifth episode he drops back he thinks he knows where he's going because he's going to be with shoshana and julia like he's with julia like okay he's going to go on that track with her and then he gets that's why he dips out from margo and he's like yo i got something he finally has a little bit of purpose in this group or like not purpose but like okay i know my role then he jumps in there and basically gets rejected so then he's like sitting on a bench like you know what the fuck am i doing <laughs> of course then he gets stabbed in the neck with a fucking needle <laughs> and gets taken into a different timeline but that that's um i think you're right that he's distrustful i think that he is cautious yeah for sure so those scenes with you in your office yeah. the camera work in that yeah. scene was amazing yes stunning stunning all 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 credit goes to ellie smoken and sally richardson whitfield our director and dp ellie's our dp actually um i think even sally would give more of the credit to ellie we have an amazing crew in vancouver chris fisher matt chipra clara george our line producer, like our you know that are so supportive of the crew to be like all right let's find the money to try this let's find the money to have a 50-foot crane on a stage day when no one would really give you a crane on a stage day those kind of things are so, um, we're really blessed to have. And then also the the creative permission from John, Sarah, and Henry and the writers down below to be like, hey, we did write you into a corner where we have all of these scenes in one office. Do with it what you can, what you want to, how do you want to do it? And and they rolled with it. And yeah, I mean, it was pretty epic. I, I, I posted a little behind the scenes to give everyone like a snapshot of like the work that goes behind um, what they did to try to like make things really dynamic and and you can see how specific it is you know it's like okay we're going to start on the frame this way we're going to start on the book nope wait move it let's make it perfect swing come back and go around um that opening shot you yeah. know start on start on the back of me i think and then come over around yeah i mean it's it's really fun when they're doing singles of you it's angled to tilted. the right it's tilted yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it's tilted so the thing, other way yeah that's the thing that we started that's the thing that ellie started in the netherlands actually yes was that there was going to be this dutch angling of the of the lenses um and the underworld has a completely different field you know what i mean that's another thing that ellie's done every every world has a different feel so like break bills because it's very classical in this we have a lot of dolly it's very smooth movement you'll never have like hand new york i'm talking mainly first season if you guys go back to that with me so first season new york hedge which is was very handheld so you'd have like shakier movement it would feel more raw more grungy and the netherlands was another world so like the saturated tones um or desaturated tones I should say, and the Dutch angling. And then you have the underworld, which is a whole other look altogether. Then you have Fillory, of course, where everything's yeah. everything's more. You know, <laughs> I mean like the lighting is more, the color is more yeah. because it's magic, you know, and it's this it's not just magic, it's the it's the 
it's the origin or, or heart of magic. Yeah, this show is all about details. As a viewer, it really helps yeah. you maintain, especially when you're bouncing back and forth between plot lines and stories. That does kind of give you a visual cue right away. Yeah. Well, okay, this is where oh, we are cool. right now. And now, even with the mirror world, too, like we were saying, there's such well, a specific right, right. feel when yeah. you're in there that you know yeah. that's where you are. It's great for podcasting because we can break those down. We have segments. We had a mm -hmm. segment just breaking down the opening title sequence and how it's different oh, this season. Cool. And, you know, we took stills, we figured out what it was, why it's cleaned, oh. no uh, what that one on sign wall. is. Yeah. <laughs> that was so fun. that was fun. You get more attention than I have. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of this is thanks to our listeners. They don't yeah. miss a thing. Man, they're oh, right on cool, top cool. of it. <laughs> well, that's what I, I feel like. Look, I mean, I was on Nurse Jackie for a few years, but that was before... I mean, Twitter was around, but it was before I was on Twitter. And there's Jackie really didn't lend itself to that kind of fandom um, and that kind of support. But still, regardless, it was my only show before this. So this is my first show where I'm a part of, you know, where people do podcasts about the show, <laughs> where people, like, write about it, where people, like, have, you know, chats about it and stuff. And I feel so grateful and blessed to be that this was my experience with such because we have such an incredible community of supporters and fans who like think so deeply about the show and um in honor of this the books we want to make this bigger than a story about magic or a story about these kids you know what i mean we want to we want to hit on the bigger themes but as an artist you're always afraid like are we doing it or is it going to hit and the gift we get when people kind of respond with their feedback and what they're getting is is so huge and it inspires us to keep working harder and you know, go deeper as we can. Everyone's amazing. You know, you guys are amazing for doing the podcast about the show. The listeners are amazing for like the fact that they care and then support. But then also I want to just comment about, which is completely non sequitur. So you guys can bring me back to the fold when you need to, but the kindness that's in our fandom, the kindness that's in our community of magicians audience is, um, I'm on Twitter a lot, and you know I, I I tweet with people often, and there's very little hate tweeting. There's very little trolling. There's very little. There's nothing but support to the community. People are responding to, me, to each other. People have like formed communities from it. I mean, I have my theory as to why that's happened, but it's just so great because oftentimes what you hear about Twitter is that it's just like hate, 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 trolling, trolling, trolling. That's this, this, this. How do we find ways to be outraged? How do we find ways to be this? And that's just never my experience with the show, and it's really quite remarkable. It's a blessing. I gotta yeah. tell you, yeah, because from our end, that experience varies greatly. When we're mm -hmm. covering Mr. Robot, mm -hmm. people will write in. I mean, if you missed the smallest detail in a blink of an eye, or you mispronounced a name, and they're just angry. Yeah. You, mm -hmm. you know, everybody's so angry about everything, and the mm -hmm. reviews are different. It's it's a whole other experience. I mean, that's primarily why we love doing this show so much because it feels mm -hmm. different the clatchers who listen to the magicians for us they are definitely warmer and they feel more involved they stick mm -hmm. they stick around mm -hmm. which is really nice yeah my theory is because this is a show about outsiders <laughs> and the people that are drawn to this show have felt outside at times or felt like they don't fit in or have longed to fit in. And so now they're in a community where they know, not, they know how to. I 
lost my thought because I thought of something that happened to me. I lived in India for a year, and this was when I was a kid. It was seventh grade. It was 98, 99. I remember I was so nervous the day before I went to school, that first day of school. I was in another country. I had bounced around schools when I was a kid in elementary school. And the year before, in sixth grade, I'd finally found a school where I was making a lot of friends and was having a lot of fun. And then I had to uproot and go to India mm. and go to this new school. And I was shit scared. I remember going to the bathroom and pretending I had to go to the bathroom, but just going there like this was the day before. Because I was like, I didn't know how to talk about it with my family at the time. But like reading pamphlets about how to make friends at school. Like I was so nervous and like so scared. And I went into that school that day and everyone was so warm. And everyone was so warm because this was a school that like where there were 70 countries represented and people were coming and going constantly. And everyone knew what it felt like to be the new kid who didn't know. Oh, wow. And I remember that was such an impactful lesson to me that this one kid came in in the second semester, so like right after the winter break, and I was like, I'm going to do this for him, what was done for me. And just for the first couple of days, I just really tried to take care and like make sure that I was there for him. And um, so there's something beautiful about experiencing being out the outside or not knowing how to fit in because you can go one of two ways yeah you can either like become an asshole about it or you can learn like hey i've experienced kindness from somewhere so i want to be kind back um and i don't know if this is the actual reason but i wonder my my thought is that this is a reason that we that our show has this kind of fandom you know i think that's a big reason for sure yeah absolutely also your chest you know that's another yeah. reason you know yeah a huge thing <laughs> putting that out there and the fact that the <laughs> fact that you could swear openly on sci-fi now i'm sure <laughs> yeah that's something we noticed when we were watching season one uh we told you yeah. uh last time we found it on netflix so the swears were in there right yeah. so then we're watching season on two on sci-fi and it was bleeped out right but we noticed when i bleeped out uh, the sound out. would cut out Mute. so you you could either say the k a fuck yeah or the fuck so then you could but now no but we only get a certain number of fucks per episode oh really yeah so i've been told at times like hey man you can't ad lib that fuck in right now because we're gonna need that one later oh. so wait wait they're yeah. rationing oh. your fucks <laughs> Oh they my goodness! <laughs> there's a meter. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a library <laughs> for yeah, all curses. The number or just fucks. There's, there's a legit. Uh, I think it fucks is the big one. Okay. I don't know though. I mean, uh, that's a John or Sarah question. So we have to. Chris, uh, we have to blame Zelda for that. Nine o'clock on sci-fi though. I mean, just let it. Just let it fly. Let it fly. No, but I think honestly, it, it's good that they're allowing you to do it now. Yes. <clears throat> I like it. It just feels right. It feels like the magicians. You know, I'm going to put a defense out to, like, the FCC and sci-fi for what they're trying to do. I think that this is a confusing time right now. The Internet has changed things much more rapidly than, like, we could, than our regulations and, like, our organizations can keep up with. Oh, yeah. And people don't know in this new world, like, how do we protect kids? Like, mm. what do we do? As silly as it may be, I do think it was coming from a place of, like, look— this is basic cable. When we started, our show was at eight, not at nine. Mm -hmm. okay. And I think like there's an element of 
who could stumble upon this and how do we do this? Now it's regressive and it's reactionary and I'm not defending the argument to be made because I think it's, I, I do agree that we should like, it's the, it's the way it is. Also, where can you, I mean, our president says much worse things <laughs> and on not. So, so I, I think that like the world is changing around these words, you know, it's not 20 years ago. So I, I, I do think that it came from, uh, hopefully, a good place of saying, how do we protect kids? Yeah. But now we get them. I do think it's silly if we are metered. Like, I think then I'm like, kind of like, why? Yeah. What's the point of that? Like, you, we, you say one fuck, you say a hundred You say it or you don't, right. <laughs> and I mean, you're saying fuck, like, fuck is fuck. Like, t- ten fucks doesn't mean like, oh, now I'm going to say it. <laughs> yeah. like, now it's not no, good. I, that part, I don't fully get, but, you know. Yeah. No, <laughs> I can't defend all things. And we were half teasing because of the whole ration thing with magic being rationed. Yeah. And- <laughs> That's funny. I never, I, I genuinely never thought about that. But I want to take a step back because I have to ask this, going back to yeah. your office. Behind oh, yeah. you in that office, can you tell us what that is? Oh, the thing that almost looks like train station. Yeah, it has lights lit up in certain so, areas, like a map. Yeah, so if you remember, um, I don't know how visible it was in in the episode that aired, episode ten of last year, where you see Penny with Hades and in the library there. <laughs> Hades, <laughs> like the gosh, I told you, low profile. You look at it, that side had all of those lights. Now, a little story. That where we shot was uh, was the old water company, like, main station. So all those lights were real. Like, they used to be, I think, I should probably confirm this before I say this. So we'll find, we'll, we'll um, I'll ask somebody. But I'm pretty sure those were, like, the water lane stations. Like, okay, if it's a red, that means it's not working, that part of the water, like, pipes and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think that, that our uh, Margot Reddy, our production designer, wanted to keep that because, one, it's stunning, it's aesthetically beautiful. But, two, it, like, made sense. It's like, okay, where's magic flowing? Where, like, or the books going? Like, it could be any of those things. So I took it to be the books stuff. Had to do more with, like, book stuff rather than, like, magic. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. I just didn't think that Penny Forty, as like, in his job at this moment, was dealing with where magic was. But he was dealing clearly, clearly with books. So I kind of made it be like that. But honestly, I, I don't really know. Okay. <laughs> but now we're talking about where the pipe junctions are. Yeah, yeah, the pipe junctions. So maybe that is. Yeah, I don't That's know. A that good Penny question. 40 I probably I don't think Petty Forty is involved in that. He's not at that um, level. I think again, I think Penny Forty, like remember the underworld library stuff is bigger than we always have to remember that that stuff is bigger than like the minutia stuff. Not that someone died like an explosion of that stuff is is small, but from Penny Forties and the underworld perspective, death takes on a different meaning. And life, the span of life takes on a different meaning. Because clearly there's some life after death in the underworld even though it's not necessarily the life it's not like corporeal life per se or is it it's hard to know uh, do i have a body i don't really understand okay. sometimes enough to eat a cupcake silly yeah uh. that's true but like was the cupcake real Ooh. or was that also like um like metaphysical thing anyway mm. Well, so I don't know how much you're probably not going to be able to tell us much, but that is a question we've kind of been wondering about for a long time. The connection between the underworld and the upper world, I guess, if you want to call it library branches 
if there's a hierarchy, if they even communicate that much. They seem so disconnected mm-hmm. at this point, but I'm sure we're going to learn more about that eventually. Yeah, because you weren't concerned too much about what Zelda was going through. No. Even though Zelda is part of the library branch, you know? Right. But they are different. I mean, the underworld is an, a different... Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, we don't know yet. Okay. You know, I, I hope that's I hope that's something that we can explore more. I hope that's something we can explore more. So I do think there's a really interesting relationship between those two. But I don't think the writers know yet. I don't think the you know this is a little bit of a we, the world of the books don't really have this in there. So this is a little bit different as well, especially because Penny Forty. Penny 40 is the arc line from Penny in the books. And you're saying that, like he's taking over. You're seeing him promoted, moving closer and closer to that place where we see him at the final part of the books. Mm -hmm. But this Penny 40 is in the underworld with it, whereas that Penny was in in the the Netherlands library. So um, it is interesting, that relationship. They are really disconnected, but I don't know. We don't really know much more than that. Yeah. Dig it. So uh, who's on the other side of the elevator? Oh, yeah, like he can answer that question. <laughs> Good man, really, you really snuck it in. There you go. I like it slipped out. It's, no, I'm just kidding. It's, I'm all, just... it's all the other pennies. Oh, there we go. There's like 30 of them. I would love that. It's up, it's up, it's up. 30 pennies in them. I have quite tipsily texted Sarah Gamble, like a long text. I was out drinking with my wife and Magali. At a sushi place in Vancouver. And I was like, I know it. It's Penny, and this is why. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I we didn't know until that script came out. Oh, wow. We okay. Myself. No. Well, we had Clatchers. They're writing in, they have ideas. They we got had all ideas. Sorts of theories. Yeah. yeah. I also don't even think I know the ending because I think we filmed some multiple stuff, some of that stuff that might not be there and i gotta be honest i don't think they're gonna show us this we get the episodes ahead of time um i don't think we're gonna get this episode until uh until it airs Mm. or the few days before it does yeah well that i think that's gotta be the two running mysteries right that and now um who the Elliot monster is, what he's actually doing. I mean, the, the depths to which we have plumbed ancient mythology trying to look for clues yeah, is okay. honestly pretty ridiculous. Yeah, we do uh, <laughs> character reviews at the end of every episode. And our latest, we did a dragon character review, but our latest were characters from ancient Greek. And Egyptian. Egyptians. Mainly Trying Egyptian. to guess who the monster was. And we thought we had it. And then... Uh, well, and then last episode, you know, where Penny 23 tells us he's not oh, reconstructing yeah. a body. It's so much worse than that. And now we're like, well, we got to throw it all out the window now. I don't know what's I'm going. so glad you just said that because actually I remembered like a lot of people tweeted that there was a cliffhanger and I couldn't remember <laughs> what the cliffhanger was. Um, and that's what that episode was, right? Yeah. yeah. I stumbled out of the door like it's so much worse than that. Um, it is worse than that. But I love... I love what they did with this part of the story. I think that it's going to, like, the monster character, the arc they built is really fascinating. And then the way Hale's been playing it has Hale been has really... Hale's been killing it. Hale's been really, um, yeah, I mean, Hale's, Hale's Hale, you know. So it was, um, um, I actually think that all the storylines this year are really um, fleshed out and really interesting. And I think that every character is really really getting to have kind of their own uh, space a bit, which is which is quite an achievement to the writers since there's, you know, 
now there's 10 main characters on the show, which is a, a fuck ton. Mm-hmm. We- um, so it's, it's quite remarkable. I think they're pacing it really well. And, um, yeah, there's so many, there's so many storylines, so much stuff going, there's so much going on. There is a lot. I mean, mid season, yeah. we even s- stated our confusion knowing very well that it would all be fleshed out for us. Mm-hmm. But but as a podcast, it's a fine line. You have to say what you're feeling and also reflect what the Clatchers are feeling uh, and being true to yourself while at the same time um, loving the film that you're watching or the, the show. You can't just over love it. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? And then you well, can't. Of course. I mean, and we fuck shit up. I mean, we, we're not perfect. I mean, we can watch old seasons. and I mean, I can look back at shit and, and, and see like, oof. We didn't really, we didn't really kill it there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But that's, that's the way, that's the way it works. I mean, uh, loving something doesn't mean that you don't critique it. Exactly. The character development, I mean, hands down, awesome. between us, the listeners, is just something that everybody has loved this yeah. season. I mean, I've been raving about Alice's journey from a time where people weren't even as excited about that. I, I just Margo's want... struggles. I mean, it's just, it's been a yeah. lot of really great stuff to sink into. And I just want to mm-hmm. uh, make sure I reiterate what I just said. I was bringing that up because of the fact that there is so many awesome things going on that sometimes you can get the viewer just gets lost momentarily. But the magicians does an amazing job of putting you back on the right track and fleshing momentarily. it out. Momentarily. Every week, my mother calls me and she's like, I have no idea what I just watched. <laughs> yeah. but I love that you were in it. And I'm like, thanks, mom. <laughs> She's like, I don't understand this story at all. But you were all, great. But I loved, I thought you were great. And I'm like, thanks, mom. And I, but it is like, it can get really confusing. And I think that, it, I mean, there's so much happening. I mean, I've gotten lost at times and I'm making the damn thing. You know, there's a lot, which is why, like, this is going to sound really, uh, you know, self aggrandizing or I don't think that's the right word but when I say watch it multiple times it's not for my own benefit as as like oh cool these guys are watching my show a lot of that um but no it's just like I think that there's a lot to be taken in a second viewing of the show we watch it multiple times yeah that's absolutely true and we always get more out of it yeah absolutely and then when I'm putting the the notes together it does start to make more sense because the writers put so much depth into it and then you know we try to put our own depth in it but Magali with the costumes, the level mm. of depth of storytelling that comes in in the costumes. Ellie, the work that you guys have been talking about that he does with like the camera work, then the sets and the production design of it. I mean, there's so much. And then the props, like if you all could go in, um, and could see what these guys and ladies do with our props and with what they create, it's just stunning. Speaking of, the props, two props that are coming in to episode 10 are going to be very exciting for the fandoms Hmm. of the magicians. Okay. It's two props. It's two props. It's related to to Janet's story, Margot's Uh story. Yeah, the musical show. This is all Margot's. This is a Margot. Mm -hmm. This is all Margot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Christina's been psyched for that. We have a really exciting guest star that we get to work with. Who was uh, you all Game Game of Thrones people? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? That's Ren- one of our biggest podcasts. <laughs> Renly Baratheon. Oh, um, I told you we recognized him. Was that on a preview yeah. that we saw him? I think so. Okay. Renly Baratheon. Yeah. So he he jumps on. You actually. Uh, no, you'll find that out in episode. <laughs> okay. 
Why not? Um, yeah, I think we saw episode him on the preview. 11, episode 11, some real big shit happens for Penny and Julia. Mm. That'll be fun, I think. Curious to see how people respond to that. It has been interesting to see how people have like evolved in that relationship mm. um, through Twitter. Like at first, in the first few episodes where people were like super against it. And now people are like, oh, wait a minute. I really like this. It's there's definitely has felt like a shift about their relationship, which is just like again, it's interesting though to kind of watch. Yeah, we felt that too. We've we've had conflicting feelings, yeah. I think, all the way through because it was almost like the magicians themselves told us maybe that's is that good? Is that meant to be? When we saw that Marina was going to find her girlfriend in this timeline, who it didn't work out with in her timeline, so yeah. that she could give it another shot. You know, and there was part of us going, is that right? You know, should she be doing that? Is that what's meant to happen destiny-wise? And so I think that put that in our heads when it came to Penny and Julia. Um, But then now it's been such a nice, natural-seeming progression of the two of them Mm -hmm. forming this new relationship. Not just just for the idea, let's say, of Penny saying, oh, I have this idea of Julia. And I love the idea of her. Yeah, he's getting to know this Julia. Yeah, so I think that made it feel like that's supposed to yeah. happen to us. <clears throat> and we were always wondering, and there's no way of knowing exactly, but maybe this was always meant to be, <laughs> keeping in mind that timeline 40 was the timeline that Julia wasn't able to go to break bills. So mm-hmm. we, in our heads, were thinking, well, maybe Penny was always supposed to be with Julia, and this is the only mm-hmm. timeline where he wasn't because of that. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, my theory about Penny and relationships has always been that Katie and Penny weren't going to be the final their final relationship it felt like their both first real relationship both of them have clearly had multiple relationships before but this felt like the first serious and intimate relationship where there was vulnerability about sharing with each other and opening their hearts to each other and that was the first time and and those can happen and I'm, I'm i'm looking at two people where that is and that's great but oftentimes i think for penny because there's so much so much stuff i think that he needed to get through that, to get to the other thing. Um, I think that Penny 40 and Katie are a relationship about their covers, about their masks, mm-hmm. but neither of them really know who they are underneath that. And so mm-hmm. I don't think that they can have, I think their truest relationship would be between like whoever's beneath their masks. Um, and maybe it would be Katie and Penny and maybe they would, maybe their journey would have grown together and their masks would have come off and they would have realized they would have grown together and that would have been the thing. But I think more probability wise that that would be someone else. Yeah. I always thought it was Alice. Yeah. Actually. Me too. I did. And I thought that that, you know, in my books, my theory in the books, which, um, it was just mine. There's no real. My theory was like it was kind of like a a, a James Lily Severus sort of situation in the Penny in the books between him, uh, Quentin and Quentin Alice. Quentin and Alice, yeah. Um, but not not minus like well, kind of including the abuse between the two, since you know they knock each other out and there's like a lot. There is fighting, you know, it is definitely a contentious relationship. But it it felt like there was some triangle happening there. Our show has not it, it touched on it but has not has moved away from that but i wonder if you know i'm just i'm curious to, i mean i don't know either i'm curious to see where this whole julia thing goes yeah it definitely the type of thing where we feel we have no roadmap 
from the source material. I mean, you still haven't read the books, but right. I tell you all the time how, how different it is now and that mm-hmm. it's exciting to see when they bring things back that were kind of nuggets that you always wanted, like this Margot journey, Janet journey that we're going to get next episode. Mm-hmm. They're iconic book scenes. They're like, oh, I'm so yeah. glad that they went back to that. But yeah. in the broad picture, it's, it's its own thing now, the TV mm-hmm. show. But um, yeah. I used to think that all the time, too, about about Alice and um, I just I love what they're doing with her I feel like it's it's different but it stays true to her arc from the book at the same time yeah I mean like as different as we are from the books I like to think that we still stay pretty true to the essence of who these people are and the essence of what they're going through Um, but we've definitely obviously changed the surroundings or, or expanded upon them you know, is in Penny's circumstance, the source material serves as the seeds, as the core. So I think that we're still exploring those. And I, I think they're going to stay true, the essence of storylines as well. When we talked to Jade, uh-huh. we went through a list of uh, who's the flirt, who's the, uh, who's the one you oh, secretly, yeah, yeah. you love to hate, you, you know, you, you secretly hate them, not really, but you, it's so easy for them, you know. Because they're so good at acting. Yeah. And, uh, who did who, she answer for these things? I want to okay. hear this stuff. So we thought for sure the flirt would have been you, but she said you're the serious <laughs> one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said the flirt was her. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. Margo, I mean, not Margo, um, Summer, Summer was the one no, that, like, not. oh, was the one that, like, it was so easy for her to act. She would read the mm-hmm. scripts right before the scene and just, like, kick ass. Just go with it and. That's not true at all. No? <laughs> That's actually crazy. Summer does a lot of prep. Yeah, it comes. It, I don't think. Uh, yes, acting is. She's a. Uh, she's from another planet. You know, things just come to her. You know, and and it's 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 quite quite stunning. I, uh, um, you know, I think there's even much more comedic value that she could bring to the show, even you know, then, then, then it happens. But I'd agree that Jade is the flirt for sure. And yes, I'm definitely the serious one. I love acting. This is my passion. I love the craft of it. I take it really seriously. I take my work really seriously. I play for sure. Um, but when I'm there, I'm there to work, you know, and, and, and that work, like telling stories is a sacred thing to me. Like it's a completely sacred thing to me. Um, and to, to treat it with anything other than, uh, the utmost care is disrespectful to that to me. Yeah, I don't really, I don't joke around a ton on set. Like, um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't really get involved in too much pranking and stuff. I, I'm there. I'm focused on what I want to do. Yeah. I want to tell the best story I can. Yeah, it doesn't said, make for a lot of like gag reel material, mm. so to say. But um, yeah. Do you have Do I, you have one on set? Is there? A gag a, reel. A prankster, uh, oh. a joker. Oh, yeah, I mean, Jade and Jason. Yep, remember? Actually, oh, Jade, specifically Jade, Jason said, and yeah. Trevor together. When Jason and Trevor are together, um, they're pretty ridiculous. Jade isn't really a prankster. She just has a prank off with one of the other crew members. So yeah. it's not, okay. she's not really a prankster. Um, with the chair being yeah. hung? Yes, the- yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. She also had a message for you. Oh, yeah. Right? Did she? She said, if you have him back on, tell him. Ask him how it is working with Jade. Okay. <laughs> oh, definitely. That's definitely going to happen. <laughs> I'm curious to hear his response. <laughs> uh, 
Working with Jay is really fun. I mean, I think that like her and I have really grown. You know, I've learned a lot from Jay as a human. You know, I mean, I think that Jay and I come from really different places. And I think that, you know, we, in our first couple seasons, we really, we learned a lot from each other. Um, again, we approach things differently. We do things differently. But working together works really well. We're really successful together. We have a lot of chemistry together. Um, we have, I actually have a lot of fun working with Jade. Well, she was saying you guys had like a brother-sister relationship, it felt like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that we've definitely, you know, like I said, we, we, we came at, we came from really different places and I think that we both I actually think that we looked at the world in the same way but came at it from different places or maybe we had different filters on it and so like you know first season we clashed heads on a a, a few things um in always constructive ways but like just clashed heads but I think in that process um in that sort of cult like creative friction we're able to build something and you know I think that we've both been you know, it's crazy. You have a show about people growing up with people that are growing up because we started, you know, I was 20, 2014, November. So I had not yet turned 28. Hmm. I was 27 when we started okay. shooting. So in our like mid, we had a lot of people in our mid to like late 20s and 27 to 32. You know, what I mean, there's a lot. You know, I'm married now. I found yeah. like before I was like, I'm settling down jade has gone through stuff in her personal life has has grown a lot and you know i think that you know, i feel really fortunate and grateful to be growing together with some of these people there are people who have been more challenging for me to grow with um but i feel actually jade was someone like i said i've really learned a lot from and and you know she's forced me to really look at things and uh I'd like to say that I forced her to look at things that have allowed us to grow into to more of um, more of shedding our masks. You know what I mean? More of shedding those those things that hold us back. Really, kind of stepping into our own lights in a way. And I count her as I really enjoy talking to her. Um, I think she's got a lot of wisdom and a lot of care. I mean, like this genuine Jay is one of, like the biggest hearted people I've ever met. Um, and I'm a pretty big hearted person myself. So, <laughs> you know, that's, she's, she's a, she's a big heart. I'll say one thing to, to give her a little bit of a laugh. I fortunately have not worked with her in a musical scene because I feel like that would be, that would be one where we would fight a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she knows why. <laughs> Before you get to the wrap up question, I just, mm -hmm. in thinking about, um, the fact that you guys were greenlit before this season started for a new season, I have to hope and imagine as the lover of the show that we have at least a couple more seasons, uh, some time left to go. Is there something acting wise that you're hoping you're going to get to do with Penny at some point? I mean, you got to play Penny's from different timelines, Penny going to the underworld. Is there something you'd like to, to be able to do at some point? You know, that's a really good question. Um, and I was actually thinking about that the other day, um, you know, as we think about the new season, is there anything that I was hoping for or anything like that? And we found, you know, as writers and, and myself together in conversation, and when I say in conversation by them, like writing their version of Penny and me acting my version of Penny and it continuing to evolve over, you know, two and a half, three seasons, we found we completely locked in sync. And I'm just excited for the opportunity to do that with Penny 23. You know, Penny 23 isn't, we don't really know him yet that well. 
you know, and we don't really know. He doesn't really. I, I don't know that he really. I, I'd like to know what is his story mm. now that he's here, now that he's part of this timeline, now that he's staying. What is his story? You know, where is that going to go? I like doing this, the the comedy stuff. I liked when, um, you know, I liked when Penny was with with Hyman. Dustin Ingram still one of my favorite people Love I've gotten that. to work with. Um, the other person was myself in episode six. Best scene partner ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't. Um, no, I don't. There's. I don't think I've, I've. I've thought of anything specific. I'd like to just go. You know, I'd like to go deeper. I mean, we all. I would like him to be thrown into some like really, really vulnerable places. I think, but that's what happens on our show. So I'm pretty, pretty confident that that will happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, but you know, I felt like even just in that one scene, we learned so much more about him in the last episode, the serpent, when he psychically connects with the monster mm-hmm. and he has to go into his mind and see what's in there. And he's under so much pressure. We see eventually trying to get to that door and go see the real Elliot, what's happening with him. And yet we commented how amazing it was leading up to that point, how he's almost talking the monster through, remembering what do you see here, what happened here. It just gave us such a look, I think, into 23 that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, Penny 23 is like, he's real put together, isn't he? Oh. Yeah. In a lot of ways. That's, that's kind of confusing for our show. And I'm, you know, it is. It's a little, it doesn't really fit in with the characters of the magicians. And I think that's going to be, I'm interested to see, like, you know, as we, as we evolve, as the show goes on, like, does that, are we going to see the ways in which he's not put together? Mm. Or are we going to see the ways that him being put together impacts other people? Like, what, what is that? What is that? But, you know, he is, he's like, I was stunned when I was reading that scene and I, you know, consciously chose to craft that in a way where he's like, all right, now I'm giving you guys like the inner working, like the inner actor sort of thing. Um, Penny 2040 was always about testing people, right? He was like, um, because he didn't trust people and he was always afraid of opening himself to anyone because he was always constantly testing them, testing them to see if they were going to be there, testing if they were good enough, testing if they were, you know, the right people for him. And Penny 23 is how do I solve the problem? I think because he's so guilty that he didn't before, he's like, how do I solve the problem? And in that effort to solve the problem, he ends up being put, he really is put together because he's not stuck in his own bullshit. He's like, how do I solve the problem? Okay, the problem is that you're freaking out. I need information from you. Let me calm you down. It is interesting. It's Percy 23. You keep saying Penny 23. It's Percy 23, man. (laughs) I loved that. Oh, man. Yeah. It was really fun. I mean, I, I I don't get to work with Hale that much you know i don't i don't get to it it's it's strange for a show that's such an ensemble uh how little we actually are on set together or work together it was it was really fun i hadn't even thought about that really that we don't see a lot of interaction between those two well last season you were split from the group well yeah 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 you know which was which was you know is its own experience i mean there you know there are always pros and cons to all of these things you know what i mean there's no you know but I have a feeling that things will come together a little bit more. That's my tease. <laughs> okay. <Ish>. Dig it. <laughs> Rapid fire questions? And then we'll get you out. I'm sorry, man. I'm having no, so much I'm, fun. I'm, I'm, I'm having fun too, so don't even worry about it. Yeah, you We're go good. for it. You're a new addition to the crayon box. What color would you be and why? Black. Black. 
why? Why requires thought? Why would I be black? <laughs> I know, that's true. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Black is, I just wear a lot of black. I think that black, there's a freedom in black because there's nothing, it's as blank a canvas as white is in the way like you can open it and do really anything with it i'm gonna go with that okay dig it we finish this interview and you step outside and find a winning lottery ticket for 10 million dollars what do you do yeah nothing let me tell you something i read a really interesting article about what you do when you find a win- lottery thing because apparently lottery winners have a really high rate of suicide you don't tell anybody yeah for six months you don't tell your family. I probably tell my wife because I don't tell her. I tell her everything. I probably tell like the internals in my family for sure. But you don't do anything with that money. I mean, you cash it. You make you you cash it. But you you know you just sit on that money for like six months before you do anything with it. So if anybody wins a lottery ticket, don't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer. Uh, what's your favorite '90s jam? Favorite '90s jam. I mean. I, I grew up on the Beastie Boys. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, I grew up on the Beastie Boys, but I also grew up on Green Day, and then I also like flashed on Will Smith. Like summer, some isn't that? No, he sampled that. Yeah. I don't know. Summer, Still summer, good. summertime. Yeah, yeah. That's is that him? Yep. Yeah. But no, he sampled. Well, it was it. sampled. The original. Was, I was flashing on that part. I don't remember the Will Smith part of it either. So those are my '90s things. <laughs> if you weren't an actor, what do you think you would have been? An astronaut. I wanted to be an astronaut. I, I really did. But then, then I, I read somewhere that you couldn't have asthma. And when I was younger, I had asthma. So that kind of like went away. What is something you wish interviewers would ask that we haven't? And this isn't right. Uh, what do I wish interviewers had asked? You know, I don't do press much anymore, to be honest. Um, I, 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 I only really do the podcasts. Like your guys, actually this year for this show, the only quote unquote press I've done for the magician or interviews has been you guys and the physical kids weekly podcast, because you guys ask really thoughtful and thought provoking questions. Um, so I'm fortunate that I haven't felt, um, I haven't felt like there's a question or a topic that I wish that we had talked about. I think one thing I hope for there to continue to be is is a dialogue about diversity on our show. And and I think that rightfully so, our show is celebrated for the diversity. But I've been noticing that 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 celebration is shutting out any potential critiques of the show Hmm. and and its diversity. And I, I think that we do a really good job, but we 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 could do better. We're not perfect. Um, and I think that, you know, we need to keep having that conversation. I think we need to keep striving for betterness around that. Not to take away from the celebration, because, I mean, honestly, especially this year, what we've been doing has been really quite profound and remarkable, especially around um, queer identity. And, and from the jump, we've done that in this really non-look-at-me way. You know, but I just like that conversation around diversity. I think it's really important. I think it's really important to me. And I think it's a it's one that like I'm honored to be a part of on the show. And I just want to keep that conversation going. Mm-hmm. I don't have a specific question or anything. I just I just like that conversation still being talked about and thought about and like, oh, cool. What is it? You know, and, uh, you know, I, I read a tweet where a black woman wrote highlighting stories side character stories about how the heroes put them only being through the lens of white women 
is an issue. You know, I was like, whoa, that's not entirely untrue. You know what I mean? Like that's I don't think that's the point of the episode. And I think that like I think that that was just accident. And I think it's in some ways kind of cool that three white women are side characters on our show that we have to like we're using three white women to share that they are, you know, lifted up. But it was it just it sparked me to think that, like, yeah, you know what? We keep needing to have the conversation, whether we agree or disagree. I appreciated that thought. That's the only way you yeah. grow, right? And I feel like your show does such an excellent job of that. Every season, it just keeps pushing things further in yeah. a lot of different respects, from diversity to the way we think about storytelling and what is important. Yeah. So I could see that constantly wanting to strive for more. Yeah, and we have. I mean, like our first season wasn't as diverse as our second season. Like mm-hmm. our first season really had like a bunch of white folk and then me and Summer and Dean Fogg kind of there Mm -hmm. and then any guest star that came in was a white person Mm. and we had all white directors and then the next season you know we saw it in Fillory the introduction of a cabinet for Fillory the Fillory is very diverse yeah yeah you know and you have wonderful people of color playing and then and then you had Fairy Queen was the third season second season I can't remember third season third and the third season you know I mean like so you've increased and then the second season we had like more people of color as directors yeah and then the second third season we've had more and more women yeah how how do we keep that growth alive yeah i just keep thinking you were saying we asked such good questions and i'm like i shouldn't have asked him that stupid crayon question (laughs) i love that crayon question (laughs) no listen the art therapist in me needs to know the answer to that question so (laughs) there's like such such a dig into that to that's like color choice means a lot (laughs) yeah it must it's been so interesting that like being in india how that's changed the colors that i want to wear (laughs) because there are so many fewer rules here I keep being stunned about this because I kept talking about this with my friends that were coming from the States for the wedding. Be like, hey, what do I wear? What do I do? And I was like, yeah, of course, let's talk about it. When you go to a suit, when you go to a formal event in the States as men, specifically talking as men, it's your grays, your blues, your blacks, right? Those are your formal colors. You wear something else, it's a statement. In India, you can wear a red fucking suit, like bright red, and it's nothing. There's no blinking an eye. There's no, oh, what the fuck is he wearing? There's just like, yeah, color. Bring it on. Is it then the opposite, though? Like, if you're wearing black or all dark colors, is that weird? Nope. Okay. (laughs) There's just no, there's just all the colors and all the options. And there's so much of it that there's more of an invitation, I think, to express yourself. And it's also different now because I'm married to a costume designer and like someone who who expresses herself through clothes. And, you know, so I mean, I think that like she's also encouraging me to express myself in different ways. And, you know, I think that's really, I mean, amazing. Um, but it's just an interesting thing I'm experiencing that like when I wear Indian clothes, I want them to be really colorful. And then when I'm in the West, I just want a black V-neck t-shirt and <laughs> like a pair of pants. Um, wait, one other thing that I like would love to keep like the conversation around diversity, but also like that, that conversation about kindness and like that conversation about mental health that we, we bring up in the show and this show of like this propensity for us to look for external solutions for internal problems. Mm. 
and how all of these characters are looking for external solutions through magic for problems about being lost, of problems of self-worth, of problems of how do I, where do I belong? And so I think that, that that theme is so resonant to me for us in the world right now, um, for our generation, for the generation that's coming up behind us, below us, whatever that terminology is. That conversation about how do we find internal solutions rather than external solutions is really important. And, and we're a show that tries to show you that, that external solutions often are a fool's errand yeah. or a false mirage or, or just not, or just flat out not gonna work. I hope that we can continue that conversation, you know, and, and encourage people to seek out ways to find internal solutions and, and, like and self-love. You know, when they started selling uh, toys to kids, uh, selling beauty to everyone, selling products, the whole angle was your child will be happy if he has this External toy. solutions, yeah. I mean, I remember looking in history class at ads in the 50s. Your husband will be happy if you have this fridge. Oh, that's true, yeah. Like, bring out those sort of, like, gender stereotypes, but also selling. I mean, salesmanship is... You know, look, I've been having a lot of conversations lately about capitalism. I'm not a huge capitalist. I'm, you know, I'm hypocritically anti-capitalist. I'm very aware of my hypocrisy. I'm not comfortable with it, but I'm aware of it. But I'm quite anti-capitalist because I think capitalism encourages us to put profit over the well-being of our humanity. You know, look at when we look at technology and phones, you know, we know now that game developers and no, fuck game developers, you know that iPhones, Apple, when they make an iPhone, they set the colors such that they are calibrated such that they give you a shot of dopamine when you see it. That is a drug. Mm-hmm. They have created something that chemically induces you to need it. That is a drug. And yet and there's no regulation. There is no one saying that, hey, you should not be have this phone until you were 18, that you need to be 21 in order to use this. Now, those executives in those companies would enforce those things for their kids. Their kids did not have these devices, but they did not have the wherewithal or the responsibility to stop us as the general public from consuming them because if you cut out people under the age of 18 or 21 you cut out market share yep you cut out a consumer market so therefore your profit goes down so you are making a conscious choice to put money and profit for the few over humanity's goodwill and that's i mean we've made our bed we've made our bed right now because we are just suckling at the teat of capitalism and corporatocracy. And so, of course, the conversation around mental health is flawed because it's not in the best interests of companies for us to be self-actualized. It's not, interest, it's not in the interest of uh, beauty products for women to feel good about themselves because then maybe some people won't want makeup. It's not in the good interest of men's self-worth for them to have gray hair or bald or anything like that it's not in the best interest of young kids to think 
that they are good enough so because otherwise they won't need maybe the Air Jordans that cost $300 so they can fit in with school. You know, I mean, I, I'm just listing things and not to say that these products are all bad, you know what I mean? But it's just that we are not uh, how much have we created it such that people are buying them because they need it rather than because they want it, because it would just be a nice accessory, because they actually think it would like be fun for them to wear, rather than saying, this is what will complete me, this is what will make me feel good about myself. And those are things that are really, you know, and that conversation's out there. I mean, that conversation's definitely one we're having right now, but, uh, you know, it's just a conversation I would like us to keep having and further and, and you know, sit with a little bit. Yeah, stay aware of it. Well, yeah, because that's hard. I mean, you and I got into, what, a two-and-a-half-hour conversation the other day because we very often find ourselves saying the same thing. But then we said, all right, let's do a thought experiment where we try to imagine in a perfect world, if we were able to come up with a brand-new system, how would we do it? What would be the better way of running things? And we had this whole idea about a merit-based society and how that would work and, Mm. you know, a council of people that ruled it and every time it was like well then what do you do about this and what do you do about that and it was really hard to to try to say well how could you actually make that work uh where that would be your goal at the center of things uh but it was it was awesome to talk about that and just think about it in a different way Mm -hmm. no i think that we do need to think about it and i think those thought experiences are super important and because you i think that um look i i I tend to i like to with my with my brother-in-law um argue that capital i just like to argue about capitalism with him and and, and do it but the truth is that capitalism is neither good nor bad capitalism is simply a system it's how do we navigate within it i think capitalism is dangerous because it highlights and enables greed and power to be our driving forces which i don't think are um are just really hard for humans to contain and control and navigate Mm -hmm. but fine if that's the system what if we focused on teaching people how do we hold power responsibly? How do we be ethical within a profit-making sort of enterprise? Yeah. What if we? What if it's about? You know, to me, it's about education. So to me, it's about you know everyone's you know everyone's about steam STEM or they're about steam now adding arts into the STEM uh, focus. And I'm so. So curious about when are we, how are we going to teach about, where's the class about how to be a human? (laughs) Like, where is that class? Yeah. Because right now we have a lot of people that are animals. And what I mean by animals is that they are just so reactive to their biological impulses. So cool. They're hungry. They eat. They're scared. So they fight. They're angry. So they yell. That's not very evolved right now. Mm Mm-hmm. So where do we teach how to how to evolve past our biological impulses? Because otherwise we're just slaves to chemistry. You know, that's that how do we evolve to our higher beings? How do our high, how do we evolve into our higher selves? That's different for everyone. You know what I mean? And and we all do it at many moments in the day and then many moments we're not. I mean, I'm a slave to my biological impulses often and I'm, I'm constantly learning how do I navigate them, contain them, move forward through them. But I do wonder, like, could there be a, like an actual class with a curriculum and homework? And what if that was a class in school? Yeah. And why not? What if that was? I don't know. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the eye roll. It's like, where do you go? <laughs> so real light, real light crayon box moments. Oh, that listen, that that's been... my natural propensity. So I think, you know, sometimes yeah. he wants to keep me away from the mic, too, because I can get into hours long intellectual deba- yeah. <laughs> debates. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we've taken up. A lot yeah. of your time so thank you no, we're good. it's got to yeah. be like what almost two o'clock in the morning there <laughs> yeah, it's two it's oh two. my god i'm sorry. Really? so good. sorry no, i i couldn't shut up myself i mean you guys let me go about 15 minutes ago and then i went into a rant about Catholic. that's <laughs> why we love that's, having you on trust me ah <laughs> oh, that was so much fun thank you again to arjun for coming on our podcast and having some fun with us at the virtual water cooler Hopefully we get him on again next year and maybe some more magicians. With the help of our Clatchers, we can get them on. We hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Episodes 11 review will be out in a couple of days. And until next time, this round's on Arjun. This round is on me. Try again.